Well, howdy, Faith Church. Glad that you're here with us this morning. Glad to be together. If you have your Bibles, we'd love for you to open them up or turn them on. We're going to be in John chapter 20 today, and it's good if you can follow along. I think it helps you to learn. And we're going to be looking again at some of the words that Jesus speaks right after he rises again from the dead, right on Easter. The words we're going to look at are coming right from Easter Day. So as you're turning there, John chapter 20, just want to give you a quick update on some things with me, just uh, changes in calendar. I'm going to be traveling over the next number of months more than I normally do. And I just want you to be aware of that. So I'm going to have the opportunity to spend a week in Colorado with my mentor, where I just get to be encouraged and discipled as we all need. So I'm going to be doing that. I'm also going to be taking a trip to the Middle East to visit one of our ministry partners and bring encouragement to them and our love and support and just learn and grow. Also going to be going to a family reunion. And I'm going to be able to take some family vacation, just so you're aware. And so the schedule of preaching over the next number of months, I'm going to be in and out, but also I have two friends that are going to be coming to speak who are from outside of Faith Church. And I believe that if you come week in and week out and you are humble and hungry, God is going to meet you and he's going to grow your faith. And then absence, I think, makes the heart go fonder, doesn't it? No, we'll come back and we'll love each other again. So I'll be in and out a lot, and I look forward to seeing you. If you don't mind praying for me just because I'm traveling a bunch, I would really appreciate it. That I get all the things that God wants for me out of my time traveling. So now, as we look at John chapter 20, remember those moments when someone saw potential in you and asked you to do something that was both exciting and overwhelming. Maybe it was that as a teenager or a young adult where someone you loved and respected asked you to do something that was like, wow, this isn't really what I do, but you actually believe in me enough to ask me to do that. You remember that? Has it ever happened to you? So for me, two experiences that, that have really changed me as a person. So when I grew up in New Jersey working on the farm. I don't know if you knew this, but New Jersey is the garden state. It's not nasty Newark. It's the garden state. Although if you're from Newark, I love you. I care about you greatly because I love the whole state. But I grew up working on a farm. That's the point. Long way to get to that point. I work on a farm. And I remember one day working in a field, and a farmer and I were working side by side, and he said to me, hey, Joe, run back to the barn and get the pickup truck and bring it here. And I'm like... I'm 13 years old. I don't know how to drive a pickup truck. And that didn't phase him at all. He just nodded his head and said, get going. So I ran, super excited, you know, 13-year-old. And I stuck the key in the ignition, turned it over, pushed the clutch in. It was a stick shift. And I bucked that truck all the way down the road, proudly pulled up in front of the farmer. I mean, that was an incredible opportunity. It made me so happy to be able to do that. When I was 23, I just graduated with a degree from landscape architecture. The pastor of my church said, Joe, we're having a service on Christmas Day. We want you to preach. And I was like, wait, I'm a landscaper. I don't preach. And he was like, no. And I just remember feeling overwhelmed and studying and working and practicing and I had to go out and buy a suit because you got to dress the part once in a while. And I remember that, you know, they have a pulpit in front of you and you think that's for your notes, but it's really for people like me to hold on because you're shaking and you're so nervous to speak in front of people. 
Do you remember someone in your life who saw potential in you and said, I have something for you to do. I respect you and I love you. Because you're asking me, I'll do it, though I'm overwhelmed. I'm scared, but I'm excited. Let's go. I mean, that's what Jesus is going to do with his disciples in John chapter 20. He's going to have a conversation with them and basically say, I've got an assignment for you. I've got an opportunity for you, and it's going to overwhelm you, and it's going to excite you all at the same time. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he asks his disciples now. He calls us as his sons and daughters and says, I have a job for you, an assignment for you, and what he asked of his disciples then is what he still asks for us, of us today. So John chapter 20, verse 19, and the context of this is it's Easter evening. It's on the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead. Now, get in your minds that this is Sunday, and a few days before was Thursday, and the Thursday before Sunday was super important. It was the last time Jesus was together with his disciples. They had a meal together. He washed their feet. He told them that he was going to die and rise again. This is Thursday. He's speaking to them. They're gathered as disciples together. It's an action-packed night, and he says these words. Don't turn there. But he says in John 14, he says this to his disciples, all this I've spoken to you while, you're still, while I'm still with you. He's predicted his death and resurrection. All this I've spoken while you're still, we're still together. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. He's very upfront with them on this Thursday night. He's going to die and rise again, and it's going to leave them feeling like they're alone. They're going to be nervous. They're going to be afraid. He says, don't worry. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and I'm giving you peace that's going to help you from this moment on. And he says these things to them on Thursday night. Later, he's arrested in the garden. Next day, he's crucified, Friday. He's placed in a tomb Friday night. He's in the tomb on Saturday. On Sunday morning, they go to the tomb. The stone is rolled away. Angel tells them he's not here, he's risen. He appears to Mary. He appears to the two people walking on the road to Emmaus. And then this scene in John chapter 20, verse 19. It's the first time they're back together as a group. They were together on that Thursday night. All this transpired now John chapter 20, verse 19, this is what happens. On the evening of the first day of the week, Easter, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, so, so the disciples are gathered again together, but their doors are locked, of course they're afraid. Of course they're confused. Their leader has been nailed to a cross innocently. So they're nervous, they're scared, they're confused, they're huddled together in a room, locked up, wondering what's going to happen next. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He knows they're afraid. He knows they're scared. 
He knows this is all overwhelming and intimidating. He knows that they're going to be worried that the leaders are going to come after them. He knows all of this, and he just shows up, and these first words he says to them is, peace be with you. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Why? Why, why would Jesus stop, say, peace be with you, and then show, him, show them his hands and side? Because his hands would have the scars, right, of the nails that went through them. His side would have a scar for where a soldier pierced him. He, he's showing them that he's real. He shows them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Just in case they were thinking he's a ghost, just in case they thought they were dreaming, just in case they thought they ate a bad burrito and they were seeing something, He's like, it's really me. Peace be with you. Touch me. See that I'm real. I'm here. I am the Lord. I'm with you. And immediately, these people that are afraid, it says that they are filled with joy. They're overwhelmed with joy. Because that's what Jesus does when he shows up. I mean, this is the character of Christ that we learn. That Jesus, whenever he shows up, he always replaces our fear with peace and joy. That's what he's come to do. When he shows up in the presence of people, that's what he does. If you, if you go back to Christmas, remember Christmas, the angels came and announced to the shepherds and said, do not be afraid, shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This is who Jesus is. He shows up as a baby. He lives as a carpenter. He speaks as a teacher. He dies all to bring peace and joy to people. When he shows up, that's what he do, does. He pushes out fear, and his presence just brought those people joy. They were locked up in their room, nervous and afraid. Jesus shows up, and automatically his presence brings peace and joy to them. I don't know what you're living in life, Niall. I don't know what life is like for you, but maybe you're locked up. Maybe inside your head you're confused. Maybe inside your heart you're struggling. Maybe you think about God or Jesus and you think about religion and culture and you've been hurt, you've got questions, you've got confusion, you're struggling, you're locked up. Maybe you're afraid of your circumstances and you're struggling beyond what you've ever struggled before. You know, Jesus isn't surprised by the circumstances he finds you in, and he walks into people that are locked up, shows himself, and brings peace and joy. That's just what he does. That's just his character. When he shows up, he pushes out fear. When he shows up, he brings peace. When he shows up, he changes and gives you joy. He comes into the ordinary moments of our lives with peace Enjoy. It's just who he is and what he does. And he's the same then as he is today. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus comes and says, peace be with you. But he's not just giving them peace for themselves. He has peace for them that it has a real purpose. Listen to what he says next. Verse 21. And Jesus said again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He shows up and says, peace be with you, and then he breathes on them. Backtrack to when he was on the cross. Remember his last words from the cross. He says, it is finished, and then breathes his last. Remember that? We talked about it. He says, it is finished, and he breathes his last. And and we talked about what does he mean when he says, it is finished? What's finished? Jesus on the cross takes the wrath of God that we deserve. He takes the penalty that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve. He takes it on his innocent shoulders. He's nailed and pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. So when he breathes his last and says, done, finished, this is what happens. He secured peace. It's secured because Jesus walked in obedience to God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. He secures peace because God sent him, gave him a job. God said to Jesus, I have a job for you. Go. And Jesus went, and he walked those 33 years of life in perfect obedience to his Father. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit, he walked. And then he gets to the end of the cross and says, it is finished, and breathes his last. It's done. Perfect peace is purchased for you for me, by Christ. And then he told them, when I do all of this, he told his disciples, I will give you my spirit to remind you and to teach you and to comfort you and guide you. Now, he says to them, peace be with you, and he breathes on them. I mean, connect this. On the cross, he says, it is finished, done. I secured peace for you, and he breathes his last and dies. Now, after the cross, He comes and says, peace be with you, and he breathes on them, and it's as if a new chapter has started. Something new has begun. He finished something on the cross, secured something on the cross, and now this side of the cross, he says, now I have a job for you. Peace I give you. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. New beginning. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my spirit to walk with you. And the only thing better than Jesus walking beside you is the Spirit of God living inside you. I mean, catch this. The disciples would lose Jesus. They wanted him bodily to hang out and eat fish and go fishing together and do all these things together. They wanted him close. They wanted a connection with him. Who wouldn't? The only thing better than Jesus walking side by side with you is the Spirit of God living inside you. Because... Jesus, when he was on earth, was one man who could do one thing at one time. Now, he goes to God the Father and sends the Spirit to live inside every son, every daughter, that the Almighty resides within us. It doesn't get any closer than that, any better than that, to give us comfort and guidance and power. Jesus descends back to God, and and I would encourage you, you read the Gospels, and this is where the Gospels end, but the story continues in the book of Acts, and you can read about how the Holy Spirit comes in power and transforms these disciples from men and women that are afraid and locked up to men and women who are powerful and caring and sharing the love of Christ. Jesus walked in obedience to God by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's saying to his disciples, 
peace now is not proclaimed when you walk in obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit as God has sent me. Now I'm sending you. As God has sent me, now I'm sending you. And he says some pretty interesting words. He says to his disciples, as Father sent me, I'm sending you. And go and forgive people. And if you forgive them, they will be forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they won't be forgiven. Does he mean that disciples of Jesus Christ have the power to forgive sins? The answer is no. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus secured that on the cross. Well, what's he saying? He's, he's raising the job description for these disciples and trying to say to them, the assignment I'm giving you is cosmically big. That so much hinges on you obeying God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to use you so that when you bring this news of my life and death and resurrection to people, forgiveness is available to them. But if they don't hear, how will they be forgiven? So now go, as I have sent by the Father, now I'm sending you, and share this good news so that people can find peace with God. He's raising their game. He's saying to them, I have an important assignment for you guys. I have a job for you to do. Go. Share this good news. This is my family business. This is the love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, making available forgiveness of sins for every man, woman, and child that they might hear it, receive it, and be changed by it. I have a job for you. The disciples then were overwhelmed and I'm sure excited, and the same job is ours to do. That down through the generations, those disciples left that conversation with Jesus and the Spirit of God entered their lives and began to change them and they began to share the love of Christ and carry the love of Christ out from Jerusalem into the rest of the world and it trickled all the way down to us today that people have shared this good news as the Father sent me, I send you. People, everyday people like you and me, heard this good news, embraced this peace with God and began to share this love and message so that you and me got to hear it now, how will the people in your schools know about Jesus? How will the people in your workplace know? How will the people on the sports field that you play with know? How will those in your family, how will they know about Jesus? This is incredible. He's sending you. He could have picked other ways, but he chose to send me and you. How will the people in Southeast Asia know? People on islands know. How will people in South America know? How will they know in the Middle East about the forgiveness of Christ, the love of Christ, the peace of Christ, unless those who know this message go and say, okay, I have an assignment right from you, God. I'm going to take this message, this peace, this life, into the world. And this isn't an assignment for professionals. This isn't an assignment for priests. It's not an assignment for pastors. It's an assignment for every son, every daughter of the king to share this love and message with people and obedience to God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible that Jesus trusts us with spreading this news. I mean, come on, find somebody else. You've got to have a better way than this. He would trust us to do this. He goes, I'm leaving. You guys got this. Now go. 
The question isn't whether he trusts us with it. The question more is, do we trust him enough to obey? Do we look at Jesus and go, you know what, you've got to have a better plan. This is your plan B, C, D, F, right? I'm plan A for carrying the love and the message of Christ? I'm plan A? Yeah, that's what he thinks about you. So I go back to being 13 years old and a farmer throwing me a set of keys. Like, really? Me? He actually believed in me. I, I, I look at a pastor that would say, preach. He actually believed in me. You see, I was filled with excuses of why I can't. Aren't you? I mean, when somebody throws you a big assignment, an important project, your mind goes immediately to all the reasons why you can't accept the assignment. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not holy enough. You're not educated enough. You're not experienced enough. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. Excuse, 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 excuse. The person who gave you the assignment understands the risk they're taking. You don't think that farmer knew I could plow that truck into the side of the barn? You don't think that pastor knew I could have done some bad things and shaken and fallen and said some things I shouldn't have? They took a risk on me. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he says, no, plan A is that you receive that love and peace and you take that love and peace to other people. And we have all kinds of excuses, but excuses are so self-centered. Excuses make it about you when the person you love and respect says, no, it's you. I, I believe in you. I trust you. I know you'll make mistakes. But if you walk in obedience to me with my spirit, we can do this together. Do you believe in him? And I think of this farmer and this pastor taking a risk on me. You know, I was transformed by those risks that they took, that they believed in me. I, it made a huge difference, pivotal moments in my life. And is it supposed to stop with me? Or am I supposed to take the risks that they took on me and now take a risk on other people and give other people a shot, other people a chance, breathe life and encouragement and empowerment into other people who have yet to have certain experiences? So if a work thing like Driving a truck isn't supposed to stop with me, but transform me into a kind of man that gives other people opportunities. The king of the universe entrusts me with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and says, it can't stop with you, Joe. Like it's a cul-de-sac in my heart? No. Share this. Spread this. Give this out to other people. God sent Jesus to be love and peace and joy in the world. And Jesus is sending you to be love and joy and peace in the world. That's crazy overwhelming and crazy exciting. Do you trust him? That he didn't make a mistake and believes in you and taps you and says, yeah, you're the one supposed to go into your garage, onto your work site, into your medical practice, into your neighborhood, into your school, onto your sports field. It's you that I put in your family and your family doesn't believe. Your family is actually antagonistic to the gospel. Nobody else is going to show up. You're the one that I'm sending to love and to the nations, all kinds of people groups that have yet to hear. I'm sending you. We get, we get hung up, though. I think we get overwhelmed. We make excuses. Send somebody else. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. But if we can move past that, I think we get 
hung up on how. We make it really complex. I got to know the plan and I don't know enough and what am I supposed to do and what does this look like? You know, Jesus makes it very simple. Study Jesus in the Gospels. I've shared this with you many times. Study Jesus in the Gospels and his model is very simple. His model is always you love first and you speak second. It's just across the board throughout the Bible, but in the life of Christ, he always loves first and speaks second. So it starts with God the Father sending a baby into the world. He doesn't shout down from heaven and go, you know, turn or burn. He sends a baby. He sends a baby to come and live among us, to love people. And what did Jesus do those 30 years of his life? He loved people. He loved God. He learned to work with his hands. He learned to serve people. He listened to people and learned people way before he ever started to speak and to preach. He always loved people, and even when he spoke, he did it with love. He would walk around Jerusalem and treat people with respect. He would heal people just because he loved them and wouldn't say a word. He loved first, and then he spoke, and he spoke in a gentle way, a strong way, a direct way. And when anyone was around him, they always felt the love of God and heard the word of God through him because he was sensitive to the Spirit of God. He wasn't just blasting people, turn or burn, you're going to hell, like that wasn't Jesus. God loves you, God's got a plan for you, God's got a purpose for you, I want to know you and understand you and speak to you, treat you with respect, so we make it way too complex. You wanna know how to walk in obedience to God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit, love first, love the people in your office, love the people in your home, love the people in your neighborhood. And we know that some of the people in your home, the people at work, the people in your school, the people in your neighborhood are not easy to love. You don't want to love them, right? I mean, there's some people that are easy to love, but the people you need to love are not easy to love. I'm pretty sure Jesus said something drastic and said, pray for your enemies. So maybe loving people is beyond whether they agree with you, they're like you, they have the same beliefs as you. You're just to love whoever is in your path. So you, how do you do this? You walk in obedience to God by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you love whoever is in front of you, and you ask God to give you love for people who are different than you, the people that don't smell good, people that just act, and you're just like, I just don't like them. It doesn't matter. Jesus says, I got a job for you. Love them. And then say to God, I, I, I want to speak and you begin to pray, God, help me to speak when you want me to speak. Help me to say what you want me to say. Help me not to say it like Joe would say it. Help me not to say it like Peter would say it or Martha would say it. Help me to say it like you want me to say it in my language, with my story, in my life experience. Help me to share this love with people, this message of hope with people, and watch. If you walk in obedience to God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit and you love people first, he will give you words to say, to speak, to share about Jesus with them. Share the hope that you have in Christ. Maybe you invite them to your small group. You invite them to church. You invite them to something where they can hear the message of Christ and they'll see first love and then they'll hear real truth and they'll connect the dots and the family business is expanded because he believed in you trusted you to carry this good no news forward. He put himself inside you. He says, do you believe in me? 
I can do great things through you. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And that's why next Sunday we're closing the doors of our church. That's why next Sunday if you show up here, there won't be a service. Because at the heart of every disciple of Jesus Christ is love. At the heart of every disciple of Jesus Christ is love. That God sent us to love like he loved and serve like he served. And the heart of every church, Christ-centered church, is to be love. Not what we can get, but what we can give, how we can serve. So next Sunday, we're all over the Lehigh Valley shutting down worship so that we can interact with people and we're not gathering to worship, we're scattering to worship and share the love of Christ with the Lehigh Valley so that they know that there's a Christ that is risen and real and there's people that actually believe and want to love first and speak second. So Love Lehigh Valley is a love first event. It's an event where you can sign up if you haven't already. We have projects for you where you can get out and get your hands dirty because before we'd ever tell the Lehigh Valley they need Jesus and they need peace and they need forgiveness, if we don't demonstrate our love, we don't want to be a holy huddle here on the hill. It's just all about us taking, but instead being scattered throughout the valley to love people, serve people, meet their needs. And so next week when you go, don't make it about you. Show up on time. Stay till the job is done. Don't leave early because Melissa has a soccer game. You have a responsibility to love, to serve, to be present, to lean in, to work hard, to get your hands dirty, to show people God is real and alive by how you serve them. Don't do the bare necessities. Go above and beyond because God has gone above and beyond for you. What a privilege we get to love first and speak second and watch if you Trust Jesus, and you take this assignment real, this loving people in your workplace and at home, if you take it seriously, watch what he does to change you. Watch what he does to change you, that when you obey him and walk with him, follow his lead, he begins to rework you, rewire you, transform you into a son or daughter that pleases him. And watch what he does in the Lehigh Valley. If we can get out of the holy huddle and go and serve, what he does, the lives of other people, because it's not intended to stop in you. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different today. Can I ask you all to stand? If you're here in the live, if you're in the chapel, if you're online, can I ask you to stand? And I want to pray. What great love God the Father has for us that he would send Jesus to love us. And there are people in this room that don't yet know the love of Christ. I pray today there would be something that would draw them into the family of God. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus and you'll be saved. Many of us, God, have put our faith, faith in you and we are your sons and daughters. Please help us to see this is not about us having peace and forgiveness. Yes, that's true, but you have forgiven us and given us peace that we might go and give peace to others and share the love of Christ with others. So release us into our families. Release us into our workplaces. Send us into our communities and schools with the love of Jesus. Oh God, 
would you use us next Sunday as a congregation to not make a name for our church, but make a name for you, to serve with all our might, to love and keep our mouths shut, and just serve and show people how valuable they are by caring about their neighborhoods and caring about their schools and cleaning up their world, that they might see, God, you are real and alive, and you love them, and you sent Jesus to love first, so send us to love first. We trust that you will do great and mighty things through children of yours who are obedient to you and who walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. Transform us and transform the Lehigh Valley and the globe all to your glory and honor. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.